Hey everybody, this is Mike Faber with The Influencer's Journey. Today I have the honor to be here with Dennis Mellon, who is an author, John Gordon Power, a positive leadership trainer, athletic mental performance master, and high school baseball coach. Dennis brings years of experience as a 28-year-old retired major airline captain and fleet captain, 20-year retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel and Command Pilot. He has been a consultant, teacher, and baseball coach while developing civil air patrol leaders. As a fleet captain at a major airlines, he was the head of training for 550 pilots and 40 instructors. Dennis lives with his wife, Heidi, in the Chicago suburbs. He has four sons and is a grandfather to a six-month-old girl. He has also just finished a book called Takes More Than Heart, Changing the Journeys, Challenges into Opportunities, where today he's going to change or he's going to share with us a little bit about the book as well as part of his journey to inspire him to write the book. Dennis, would you like to share with our listeners a little bit about the book? Well, first of all, Mike, thanks for having uh, inviting me on uh, board here and uh, happy to have the opportunity to speak with everybody. Yeah, this is a um, probably a 12 year journey to get to this point. Uh, back in uh, 2008, I was a uh, airline pilot, captain at a major air carrier, uh, fifth largest air carrier in the United States behind American Delta, uh, United and uh, Southwest comes uh, Alaska Airlines. And um, I had been inspired since I was about 10 years old to be a uh, uh, professional pilot. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I was at my father's Air Force Base, looking up at the sky and seeing uh, all these airplanes flying overhead. And I'm going, hey, that's pretty cool. That's what I want to, well, that's what I want to do when I grow up. Of course, my wife says I've never reached that point yet, but uh, that's another story. Anyway, um, kind of the reverse role that happens with uh, high schoolers, you know, they get to age eight, 17, 18, and they're looking at, what do I do now? Well, this happened to me at... Uh, age 56, out mountain bike riding uh, east of uh, Seattle up in the foothills on one of those rare bluebird days in October, I had a serious heart attack. Of course, I'm not sure there's anything that's not serious about a heart attack. So that's kind of a understatement there. But from that point, um, I, I got to the point where now what do I do? I was like that 18 year old do I, do I go to school? You know, what what college do I go to? What career? What am I going to do? I'm only 56 years old, and I'm uh, uh, a little bit too old to go back to male hand modeling. So I decided uh, I better start looking. I, I went through bouts of uh, depression and self doubt, and you know, through that dark cloud of, you know, what do I do now? So I got to the point where I had the opportunity to. Uh, get into several other airlines and work at different jobs, but it wasn't the equivalent job. You know that that feeling you get when you, um, when you have a job where you never feel like you're going to work? That's where I was and I was trying to find that equivalent and I just, I went through three or four different uh, other airlines doing uh, ground uh, jobs, not flying, uh, until I finally figured out what I wanted to do when I grew up and that was to, uh, to coach. I started coaching baseball. I started uh, doing mental performance with the athletes. 
and then I started doing motivational talks and uh, and uh, uh, going through uh, speaking. And I got to the point where I was keeping a journal, and I thought, well, maybe I should put this together and put it into a book. So back in February, March, when COVID hit, I said, now's a good time to sit down and do it. So I wrote this book, Takes More Than Heart. That's my story. I'm sticking to it, Mike. I love that because not only did you go after your childhood passion of wanting to fly planes, and you did that, and built a great career, both it sounds like in the Air Force as well as for Alaska Airlines and within the airline industry in the, in the whole. However, that didn't, you had a setback, the heart attack, which can be a very large setback. However, it didn't stop you. If anything, it gave you an opportunity to kind of reinvent yourself, which in really I find really inspiring because I wish more people would find ways to lean into that and find ways to hopefully not without a heart attack necessarily, but to lean into their own inner goals, their own desires and share that with people who are out there. And it sounds like with your coaching, that's what you're doing now. Am I correct? Yeah, it, it is exactly. I mean, um, it took a while to go through all this. It's uh, I think the Japanese have a, it might even be a samurai saying of uh, fall down seven times, get up eight times. And uh, there were quite a few uh, fall downs during that time. I mean, the option was to just slump your shoulders forward and go, eh, what are you going to do? And uh, slip towards uh, Geezerville. You know how they define Geezerville as sitting in a Barker lounger with the remote, cool drink and watching Oprah reruns or something. But uh, no, I, I, that, that wasn't me. I, uh, I felt like I needed to, that I still had something to uh, contribute. And so I uh, started plugging away, trying to find, trying to find that passion again. Very cool. What areas do you sound within, as we kind of went through your bio, there's definitely leadership and, the mindset and other components in that arena, but what other areas do you coach in? Like I see um, you talk about be a bean as an example, and how does that kind of fit into what you're doing now? Well, that, that's funny that you bring that up. Be a bean is uh, uh, the tagline I use for my company, and that's uh, basically uh, your experience is you're going through the roasting and the grinding and, and the brewing portion, you know, uh, going into that boiling pot of water, which is which is basically life. Everybody's in that boiling pot of water, and yet, you're, and yet uh, you can be that that coffee bean that changes that water into gourmet coffee some way to make it some, something that smells good and tastes good. Well, same same concept of uh, when you fall down this seven times and get up eight and go looking for something. Where can I be of an influence? Where can I where can I do something that uh, that that makes that that you know that little difference with somebody, and uh, that's that's where I found my uh, I, where I could put my passion back into. Nice, that's so cool too because a coffee bean you put it into the water and it changes the color of the water, it changes the flavor of the water, it turns it into a for some a magic juice to give them more energy, but it never stops being a bean. It continues to evolve and be better than what it was before it hit the water, yet it's still its original at the core of being. Yeah, and that that dovetails neatly into how you are as a leader. Um, the single most, single biggest influencer on any team, any organization 
is the leader? How do they inspire their people to uh, to work, to do more than just their job? Um, I'm kind of reminded of a um, a story that was brought up. Uh, uh, it might even be a Jack Canfield story or something about uh, a guy walking through a construction area, and he comes up to a uh, a bricklayer and he asks him, "Hey, what are you doing there?" And the guy doesn't even look up from, doesn't even answer him, doesn't acknowledge him or anything. He goes, "Okay," moves on to the next guy. So same guy, same type job. He's laying bricks. He goes, "Hey, what are you doing there?" And he says, "Well, I'm collecting a paycheck." Okay, so goes on to the third guy who's laying bricks, and he says, "What are you doing?" And the guy says, "I'm building a cathedral that is going to be a shelter for homeless people." Be able to put 800 people uh, in church on Sunday, and that's what I'm doing here. So, which one of those is the inspired worker? Mm-hmm. Which leader got to those? Uh, gave them the vision that, wow, look at what I'm building. I'm building a cathedral, and that's what that's what being a leader is: is being that being, being that influencer. I love that, and it's. I think so many people look at leadership as. Uh, I'm going to do and watch me do versus the collaboration approach. It's another great saying of um, John Maxwell's, who's a great um, leader trainer in his own right, has a phrase that he says, if you really want to be a leader, get up and leave the room. And if no one follows you, you're just out for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy, isn't it? Yeah, it's important uh, to uh, for a leader to provide the, the, the vision or the purpose. Why am I coming to work? You know, if they don't have that, then he's uh, whoever it is that's working, woman or man, whether they're uh, just not answering anybody and just going through the motions or saying I'm collecting a paycheck, or if they're that inspired person that's trying to to uh, to that has that vision of creating something. That's yeah. when you get people to work more than just their job. So true. And there's a great book called Built to Last. And in the book, the author talks about, he compares companies that's been around for a hundred plus years. And one of the common grounds that he found was these companies, the founder of the company, they come in, they have a vision, they have a dream, and they bring other people around them to fulfill that vision. But the vision is not only within the founder itself, but it becomes the vision of the whole, the vision of the company. And eventually, like a hundred year business naturally would do, it outgrows. The founder might retire, they might pass away, they might go in different directions, but the vision, the mission of the company never changes. Well, it changes, but it continues to hold true as new CEOs come into place or new employees come into place and the company continues to grow because of the power of the mission, because of the vision that the original leader, the founder brought with them into the business, which is so cool. Right. Well, it's and, and, and you know, uh, inspiring the people that work for you is probably one of the most important things that a leader can do. Um, I think uh, John Gordon says something along the lines of uh, uh, we don't get burnt out at our, at, because of the work that we do. We get burnt out because we forget why we're doing what our purpose is. Mm. And if you have that purpose, then, then there's no amount of there's no limit to the persistence and and uh, uh, perseverance and grit that you will show towards completing the work or reaching the goal. Yeah, so true. Yeah. And it's interesting, I would think, going back to flying uh, airlines, especially a commercial airline, 
is oftentimes you think of the pilot as someone who's up in front, locked away in this little room, flying the plane, getting the person or the airlines from point A to point B, but they forget that they are really the leader of the plane. It's up to the pilot for everything to go the way it needs to go. And I can't really think of a better definition of a true leader with in a commercial space, even though they're not necessarily in the boardroom leading from afar, they're certainly leading the mission. They're ahead of the mission and everybody right. is following yeah. us. In, fa in fact, uh, the, the my last flight ever, uh, with the airline in, in my mind. Um, it was a beautiful day flying from Seattle down to uh, San Diego and back smooth, lots of passengers and everything. And I, I can remember looking down into the city of uh, Eugene, Oregon. Well, it's kind of facetiously, but I was looking down there, uh, looking at me, hey, I wonder what those people are doing down there. And of course, they're probably sitting on the ground going, hey, I wonder what those guys are thinking up there. And what I was thinking was, wow, it's been I've been at this for 35 plus years, and uh, I may I, I, I've got a lot of professional development that went into that, and I feel like I'm making it look easy. It's still hard work, but 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 I haven't done it so for so long. I'm making it look pretty easy, and uh, that was just that sheer pride. Mm. But I little did I know how quickly things were going to change in a matter of days here. You know, when yeah. I lo completely lost my medical due to the heart attack. Mm. So, so that's true. what the book is about. Uh, it starts out with the, the with the bike ride, trying to get up the hill, and and uh, uh, the the I used to like going out on those bike ride trails, getting up to the top, and then it's like slalom skiing mm -hmm. down in between the trees on those single bike paths, kind of the like the feeling um, like I used to get when I was flying my uh, Air Force trainer at Mach one mm -hmm. with my hair on fire, doing loops and <laughs> rolls between the. Uh, the you know the, between the clouds and stuff, mm. um, and that that uh, was what was so hard in the recovery is, what do I do now? That's the equivalent of that. That's that's hard to find that 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 rush, that feeling, mm. that uh, that exhilarating feeling that hey, this is so cool what I'm doing. You know, yeah. I guess in a way, it's just making a different impact. Whether you are flying a Mach one or you are flying a commercial airlines and you are and or standing in front of a conference room full yeah. of people it's showing up and calming educating or changing the environment changing the mindset of those who are in the room sharing things that will help them change the world it's still leadership it's just a different approach to right. how it's done well, and the fact of the matter is, when I think back on it, it took 36 years to get to that point where I felt mm -hmm. like, hey, they, you know, I'm, I'm making it look easy. Well, the 30 years is what made it easy. You know, you don't, it, it's not like, okay, abracadabra, today you're a pilot and you're going to go fly for United on their 777 going to uh, Japan or something. It, it takes a while to get to that. And I, I think sometimes that gets lost now. You know, one step at a time, one step at a time. So true. And you can really tell somebody who is truly seasoned in their, in comfort, at comfort in that seat. And I think of going back to flying for an example, two of the most interesting flights I had was start out terrifying or nerve wracking. And because of the pilot turned into interesting flights. And number one, 
I was flying out of Milwaukee into, I'm not sure where we we're going. I think it was an international <laughs> flight, but the plane, as it was starting to back up, was making this really weird, like, it was like jerking. And a lot of the people were suddenly agitated, myself included, and the flight attendants picked up on that. And they must have went and told the captain, who then came over the intercom and very calmly says, ladies and gentlemen, I understand that some of you are feeling at ease about that noise that you're hearing. There's nothing wrong with the aircraft. It's just a tool that we use. We can either fire up the jets and wait, feel, et cetera, to move the plane back, or we can taxi it back this way. And it is what you're hearing is it's just us getting ready and preparing the plane to back up so we can take off. Yeah. And then he pauses and he goes, and just so you know, tonight is my granddaughter's birthday party. And I fully intend on being there for her party. I will not get to take this flight. I will not take this aircraft up into the air if I cannot bring it back down at my granddaughter's party. And yeah. you could just see kind of this sense of ease come across the plane. It's like, oh yeah, the pilot's human. Yeah, he's got skin in the game. <laughs> <laughs> why yeah. would he second? Why would we yeah. second guess that? And then the other flip side of that was I was flying from San Diego to Salt Lake City, and we were actually 20 minutes late. And so we were flying, and I was worried that I'd miss my connection, etc. And the flight's going along, going along, and it gets ready to touchdown in the Salt Lake and a pilot once again very calmly gets on the intercom and says ladies and gentlemen this is captain so-and-so I just want to let you know that I have good news and not so good news for you and the good news is that we are actually first to land we're going to come in early and we're going to have a very um, colorful um, welcoming party to help us take us to the gate yeah. And then again, he pauses and he says, no, just so you know, it's not anything wrong with the aircraft, but we have a hydraulic leak. And because of that, we need to get the plane in and there's going to be an escort of fire engines following us just for procedures, nothing to worry about. Very calm. So nobody on the plane was worried. And you look down and you see this long line of fire engines and rescue vehicles on the ground. It was like Christmas but in July. <laughs> We come down and taxi to the gate and everybody gets off the plane. And actually, I don't think we went to the gate. I think we taxied and then people got off. And like that part doesn't matter. But it's so interesting how the pilot was so calm and so matter of fact about it. That's something that you come in and you look down, you see all these fire engines, most people would freak out. But because he took such a powerful leadership role, people were very calm. And it was a completely different experience than what could have been. Right. And, you know, you bring up one of the fundamental uh, important things for every leader is, 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 to, is to communicate well. Mm. As long as everybody knows what's going on and what you're trying to do, um, it makes a huge difference in the mental state. Because if you don't have that in, in there, what, what fills in the negative communication? You know, uh, doubt, distortion, division, all those things come in if you don't, you're not communicating well. So... That's one of the prime things that a leader needs to do is communicate. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Now, going back to your book for a second, what are some of the things that you, does your book discuss more in the leadership realm or what was kind of well, the theme of the book? Um, yeah, there's, there's uh, quite a few uh, uh, nuggets in there about leadership, but it's also mainly about uh, the perseverance of how, how to battle through these things to find 
um, to find your new purpose. There's a lot of people that are, that are, that go through adversity and, you know, sometimes they uh, slump their shoulders forward and go, and eh, what are you going to do and accept their fate? Or do you go look at it and go, what are the controllables? What, what can I do? And I'll try this. Well, that's not where I want to be. I'll try that. That's not, I, that's too much. I, I, for a while there, I had a job where I was um, traveling to, to, uh, to put on three and four day uh, uh, classes for different airlines, uh, Czech airmen. I was going to Kenya, I was going to the Philippines, I went to some uh, an, uh, set of uh, uh, Cape Verde off the African coast, uh, uh, scheduled for a bunch of other places to go, but it was really telling on my family. You know, um, so I, I said, you know what, I, I need to get something a little bit closer. And yeah, it's fun, but it's still, it, it, it's still not filling that void. Um, and what I eventually found was what filled that void was being able to uh, pass on my experiences, uh, my knowledge, although my friends will probably claim that there's not much of that knowledge that needs to be passed on. But the, the fact of the matter is, is, uh, um, if I can help somebody, the gist of the book is, uh, if I can help somebody or if somebody can help somebody to take a shorter, take a shortcut or not have to learn from the University of Hard Knocks, then why not help them out, you know, hmm. help them uh, uh, find that shortcut and uh, or use your experience, your knowledge to uh, to, um, to 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 get up that eighth time like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, so yeah. True. I love that. And it's one of the things in Desires and putting together this podcast show, The Influencer's Journey, is it's all about the concept that we are all along our own journey. We are all influencers in our own right. It could be the three-year-old helping the one-year-and-a-half-year-old learn how to walk. It could right. be all the way down the chain. And we can figure it out ourselves, which takes a long time. Or we can learn from those who are a little bit ahead of us and then a little bit further ahead of them. And together we grow, together we rise. Yeah. Sounds like you are doing the same thing for the people that you work with. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, one of the most important things is, uh, and um, I've gone through this evolution of, uh, uh, we all have uh, New Year's resolutions and typically those get broken by January 31st. So I've gone through this evolution where we pick out one word for the year uh, that and last year's word was uh, mentor, you know, so whatever I could do to mentor. And then and by having that one word, it's not breaking a New Year's resolution. That one word is always in front of you and nice. you can constantly do it. Now, this year, I, I my one word went to uh, steadfast, hmm. being uh, being steadfast, somebody you can depend on, somebody that, you know, can uh, uh uh, persevere to, to help help you get to that next level to help you just this much each time uh, each person that you come in contact with. Nice, that's so important. Yeah. As we start to wrap up, are there is there anything else right now that you'd like to share with the listeners? No, I I uh, was excited to be on here. Uh, I know that you uh, have uh, listeners that uh, are always looking for that that next little nugget that will inspire them. And I hope. I hope some of the things that uh, we've talked about today inspire some other people too. Definitely. I'm sure it will. I know it's inspired me even. 
If a person should want to get a hold of you or purchase your book, how would they do that? Well, um, they can contact me uh, personally via my email, Dennis Mellon, uh, D-E-N-N-I-S-M-E-L-L-E-N at hotmail.com or uh, at Friesen Press. Um, it's a, actually a Canadian publishing company, uh, F-R-I-E-S-E-N. Um, or the, all the usual ones, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Goodreads, uh, Nook, uh, Apple Books. The, uh, the book is available at, at all those. Um, but uh, if you can contact me personally, I, I can get you a, a discount and a uh, signed copy. Nice. Sounds like and a you could go to my to my web the book's website uh, takesmorethanheart.com. Perfect, and I'll have that in the show notes as well. So if okay, you weren't able to write that down as Dennis was going through it, don't worry, it will be there for you to copy off. And I highly encourage you to go get a copy of the book. Well, thanks very much, uh, Mike. I really appreciate the opportunity. I hope uh, I hope uh, you continue to have success with this podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you being on it. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. And at that, I'm going to bring this show to a rest and look forward to talking with you all next week. Goodbye for now. <laughs>